demophobically. Right? You can't. They won't let you. If they catch you, you're in trouble. You've got to go one way or the other, you see. It's left or right, up or down, you see. So these laws don't apply to the spiritual world, which is eternal. This world is temporary. So God especially doesn't have to abide by these material laws. I'm either this or I'm that. I'm everything. Whereas at the same time, even though I'm unmanifest, I may be only unmanifest to you. But whereas to you, because of your desire, I may stand right in front of you and embrace you. You see? So this is the spectrum of what we're talking about in Bhakti Yoga. Uh, it's not that you're wrong. We don't say, if you say, well, I prefer to worship the Supreme as unmanifest, the unmanifest Brahm Jyoti. Do you know what that, have you heard that term, Brahm Jyoti? You have? Yes. What is your interpretation of it? Well, I've heard the term, I'm not. Oh, okay. That means that the, uh, the light in which one can merge. You can't really totally merge, you're still you, but you go into the light. We don't say that's wrong. Boy, that is so real. You can do that if you want to. Or nirvana. Does anybody know that word nirvana? It's a Sanskrit word. Some people think it's a Tibetan word. I mean, it's a Sanskrit word. It comes from India. Lord Buddha came from India. So nirvana is a Sanskrit word. What does it mean? Empty. Empty. It means away from everything. Void. Nada. Nothing. You know. You know, into a place where you can go. Nirvana. Nirvana. Of course, in, in modern-day Western world, we say nirvana, we mean heaven. So it is a kind of heaven in, in that it is an escape from the material sufferings. And it's real. There's nothing that prevents you from going there if you want to go there. So nirvana is so void, it's even void of light. If it's void, how can there be anything? So you have two spectrums, the dazzling light and uh, the void of nirvana. Both of them, people go there, people who are uh, wise in the sciences of achieving both for the same reason. They want the same result. They want peace. peace. Uh, Sanskrit shanti. You've heard that? Shanti? Om Shanti Om? Peace. Yes? If he goes either one, do you have to stay there forever? No. You don't. They're not eternal. They can be if you want to. But this is a brilliant question, really. A lot of people don't think like that. A lot of people may think, I want to go, I've always wanted to go into the light, and boy, when I get there, I'm going to want to stay there forever. Or I've always wanted to work my way into a nirvanic stage. And when I get there, I'll be there forever. You may be, if you want to. That may be your choice. But I question you. Uh, 
Examine yourself. Examine you. What is it that you chase so much and hold to the highest value in your existence now? What is it that's, that you would rather have other than wealth, fame, health, longevity? It's a four-letter word called love. That's our driving motivation. We all want it. Uh, sometimes, class last week we were talking about how sometimes we build a wall between us and love because it's burnt us a couple of times. You see, uh, material love can uh, sting, can hurt, can change lives for the positive or for the negative. It can go positive, then go negative again, and then positive, you know, it can do this. So that's material love. The problem with material love is that has an ebb and flow. Like, it's like trying to catch the waves on the beach. You know, you sit on the beach and the waves come in and you think, ah, oh, got it, finally. It just it goes right back out. So sometimes material love seems like that, you know. And then we start to do something very unfortunate. We blame ourselves. Then maybe we are partially at least to the blame. Uh, at least maybe I didn't know uh, what real love really was. I didn't know how to recognize it. I didn't know I was being cheated. You see, maybe the cheater didn't even know they were cheating me. Because none of us really can fully define it, can we? We think we can, but so if we ponder on that, the problem is we give up thinking, drilling down into the essence of love. We give it up. And we just chase what we can get, what will give us some gratification, you see. So that's not fair to ourselves because there really is, if there is this eternal entity that has everything, is the source of everything, the source of love, and this is an eternal entity, then that love from that entity is also eternal. Wow. If you add that word to love, that changes the whole meaning. Eternal love. What about eternal, unconditional love? So no one can tell you in all honesty other than the supreme personality of Godhead, that I love you just the way you are. No one can truthfully say that except him. Why? Because he's your source and he knows everything about you. And he knows you outside of this body. When you escape this body, being held prisoner, by this body, uh, there is a, pers a personality that is eternal. This isn't the only thing we get. This is not our only life. If this is our only life, how can we put any value on it? We really want to. We know in our soul 
that we have a value. There must be some value to me. What is that value? I mean, what if I discovered a drug that would change the health of the world? This has been done. Who are these people? Does everybody remember them? We remember scraps of their names. Who invented the polio vaccine? Does anybody know? Does anybody remember polio? It's gone, right? The guy invented a drug. When I was a kid, everyone worried about getting polio. Any old people here? Oops. Krishna Nam's not here when I need him. <laughs> the old people remember things from history. But yeah, I remember polio. Somebody discovered a cure for polio and it went away. You never had to worry about getting polio. And you don't know who that person was that saved you. It was an epidemic. Did that person's life have meaning? Yeah, but time just keeps devouring and digesting, you see. Uh, I remember one time I was in Corpus Christi at the beach and I went into a, a, a little place to get something to drink. It was very hot and Grupasad Swami and I were there. So we went into, it's funny, uh, we must look like a couple of clowns when we're out together because here we are wearing you know, these beach hats and uh, bathing suits. And uh, we don't have a shirt on. We just have, you know, a chowder thrown around us. And uh, I said to Maharaj, I said, I, I'll bet they don't even think, recognize that we're devotees when we go in there. You know, we're just a couple of old men coming in to get something. And he laughed and he said, are you kidding? You've got two pounds of wood around your neck. <laughs> We've got this string around our, you know, and you got T-lock on your head. What the heck makes you think they're not going to think that there's something strange about these two weirdos? You know, so I said, you know, you're right. So we went in and we both found something. We don't usually, I don't usually like to drink cold things unless it's terribly hot. And it was really hot. So we got us some mango juice. And so at the counter, uh, we're paying, and there was a, a, a nice young lady there, and I decided to give her a book. I had a book in this bag that I had on my shoulder, um, Chant and Be Happy. And so I gave her this. Would you like the book? This is a conversation um, with George Harrison. And she says, cool, who's George Harrison? <laughs> I said, he's one of the Beatles. Who are the Beatles? Whoa. Wow. I felt a hundred years old. <laughs> so that much time has gone by since the 60s, you know, or 70s. Or, you know, you know. Well, there are many people who don't know. You see, maybe the internet has made them more popular and more accessible, but you see. So even big names like the Beatles, I guess, I'm, I'm thinking everybody here knows who the Beatles are. <laughs> People are thinking, Elijah's thinking, what kind of bugs is he? Are there bugs in here? Beetles? 
You see, so so the time time is devouring your wealth, your fame, uh, your claim to fame, the things that you did that got you your fame. You see, uh, your charming, handsome face. You know, your per- it's all gone. It's gone. So, uh, what's the meaning? This is sound pretty macabre, isn't it? There's no meaning. <laughs> Pass around the handkerchiefs. There's no meaning to life. No, there is a meaning to life. How can you add value? Your life already has a value, but how can you discover it? What is your value? What's the value? That's what I'd like everybody to do. If you want to pass out the cups, and you just write down what you think is the value of your life. Keep it in 500 words or less. Okay, give them real small pieces of paper. So, <laughs> Well, I started out as a child. <laughs> I was in Chicago because I wanted to be near my mother. <laughs> so, yeah, just a note or two. What is the value of your life? This is kind of deep stuff, isn't it? It's going to give you a headache because people don't usually go this deep. We do. We like to. Um, you know, the water tastes sweeter the deeper the well. So, uh, I, just, I just made that up. Yeah, so, um, think about it. Let's get deep. Think about you. And the purpose of Krishna Cove is to help you realize who and what you eternally are, not what you are today. Uh, Many of us can recognize there was a time when I would say most of us in this room wanted to be something that we now think I never really wanted to be that. You know, I remember when I was, these things changed. When I was a kid, uh, I had many uncles that went to several, I had like six, six uncles that went to World War II, you see. And they were always kind of like heroes because they joined up, they volunteered and they went over. World War II was a, a big scare, you know. I wasn't there, but I, I came along a few years after it, it was over. But it was a, it was a, a horrible thing. It, it, it occupied almost all continents, you see. It was everywhere. It was in everybody's face, and it was a big threat. So I thought these guys were big heroes, and they were. They were stand-up guys. They dropped everything, and they went off. So I wanted to be a soldier. You know, when I was a kid, you know, I would try to wear military clothing. You know, I'd get an old shirt from one of my uncles that's in the Army, and I'd wear it, and I was so looking forward to the day when I'd get old enough to join the Army or the Marines. You know, that's what I was going to do. And, uh, of course, this was after I had decided I wanted to be a cowboy. (laughs) Then I decided I wanted to be a soldier. Uh, And then sometime around the time that Vietnam came along, I realized I don't want to be a soldier. (laughs) I don't want to go to war. 
I, what, what was I thinking, you know? You see, so we change. I want to be, and this is my definition, and then I come up with another definition. Instead of wanting to be somebody who volunteers and goes and fights for his country, I wanted to be a guy who stays out of the draft. Not only am I not going to volunteer, I'm going to try to get out of it as much as I can. I didn't want to go. So, you see what I mean? Our identity or our uh, the way we see ourselves changes throughout our lives. And it will change again for all of you. It will, it will actually, you'll get another definition of who you are and what your life means. Hare Krishna. So, uh, I'm talking about not a temporary I want to be when I grow up, to what am I eternally? Meaning, what have I always been and what will I always be? Unless you really firmly con are convinced that you are your body. So, if you are your body, I've got bad news for you. I don't have any good news for you if you are your body. If you are your body, you're going to end up like me one day, old. If you're fortunate, that's life's reward. If you're not accident prone, you're very healthy and you don't catch diseases, you work out, eat properly, don't smoke, you do everything right, the reward is old age. Well, that's, that ain't a real good deal. I mean, there are some advantages to it. Uh, one advantage is the older you get, the easier it is for you to realize and understand that you are positively not this body. You know, more than 70 decades have passed for me. And when I look in a mirror, I'm still, I swear, I'm still surprised at that old face looking back at me. When I'm walking down the street, you know how you walk in front of a, of a store window or something and you, you look over and you see your reflection? I look and I think, gosh, holy cow. <laughs> it's easy to realize as you get older. When you're young, you know, and you're in shape, You've got youth on your side. You walk past that store window and you see your reflection. You go, yeah, got it going on, don't you? You know? Trust me, that will fade as time goes on. You'll look and say, oh. <laughs> You're old and bent, wrinkled, you know? Why am I shuffling like this? I used to stride. Well, now I haven't changed. I still feel youthful. I still have youthful ideas. I have youth, youthful plans. I sometimes make plans as if, as if I still have 50 years left. Because I realize that I'm eternal. I don't have to make, uh, I don't have to think like I'm over 70. I don't have to, because I'm not. I'm not my body, you see. So you are an eternal 
living entity. Some people think eternity starts now and goes forever. No, eternal. Think of what we're saying, eternal. Both ways, always has been, always will be, you see. So this life that you're in right now is just uh, a passing phase. Like a child that wants to be a soldier. Well, that changed. So this concept of who you are and what you stand for right now, that will change, either in this life or in the next. It's going to change. You, you cannot hold on to it. Does that make any sense to anybody? Yeah. Oh, there's... Time is... Yeah, we don't have one minute. That's okay. Uh, so does this make any sense to anybody? So what we want to explore is who are you? What are you? What are you all about? I want to know about me. This is fair, isn't it? I want to know everything about me that God knows. He knows more about me than you do. You see? I want to know. What is, why, because of him, do I exist eternally? This is an important question. This is a little deeper than, well, I'm 70 years old and I like to go for long walks on the beach and my favorite color is saffron and I like strawberry ice cream. Yeah. Let's go deeper. Why am I existing eternally? So that uh, source sees something, right? Knows something. For an unlimited amount of time, we have been together. Even now, although you can say, well, where is he? And that's our problem. We think we've got away from this supreme personality. So what we discuss here is, who is this supreme personality? And what, how do we relate? What does this guy want from me? What does he or she want from me? Is God a, a male or a female? What do you think? Both. Both. Source of everything. Masculine and feminine energy, he's a reservoir, you see. All of his energies have personality. It's not just some thing like light, you see. Oh, so his feminine energy has personality. Her name is Radha Rani. She's his uh, uh, enjoying propensity, you see. So he has unlimited identities. God is unlimited. He has unlimited personalities. He has unlimited names. But yet, he boldly says, as Krishna, he says, I am the supreme personality of Godhead because I'm the one you share love with. You see? Well, all of my unlimited personalities, I'm the supreme. He doesn't say the rest of them are 
phony. You know, no, he says, I'm the supreme personality. Because with me, you can come and you're attracted to me. And you want to embrace me almost as much as I want to embrace you. That's what I do. That's what makes me the supreme personality of Godhead. I love supremely. And I reciprocate love supremely. And that's why you exist eternally. And I've empowered you with the ability to charm me, the supreme source of love. Now think about that. Do you think he would make you defective in any way? Lacking? You know? Of course, Krishna says, never was there a time when you did not exist, nor will there ever be a time when, when you'll cease to be. So we have to see that in, in the spiritual world, you were not created. You did not come into existence. You have always existed. You will not cease to be. You will always be. So, but if, so that we can understand it and wrap around, uh, wrap it around it with our mental uh, brains, our material brains, if you were created, because it's easier for us to understand if there is a beginning, because we're in that world. There's everything has a beginning, everything has an end. So if you were created, that's why. So that you can give him pleasure, which means you're incredibly beautiful to look at. He's the source of beauty. You know, you look at a sunset sometimes and you think, oh, how beautiful. You know, well, that's source. So uh, you are there to give pleasure, to exchange pleasure, pleasure. So you are incredible to behold to the supreme personality. The supreme eyes look at you with supreme beauty, charm, wit, ability to love, you see. He doesn't have to train you to love or teach you to love. You already have it. So if this is true, then what's wrong with me now? How come I can't realize this today? Because I don't know who I am and I don't know what I am. I'm thinking I'm a 70-year-old man, right? I'm thinking that I am a human being and I'm looking for a spiritual experience. When the truth is I'm a, I'm a spiritual eternal entity looking for a human experience and I found one. And I think this is the all in all. This is me. This is my life. And I feel a little unsettled because I can see it has an end. My body has an end, so my life has an end. And this particular, uh, particular life uh, is kind of important to me. Because we go through this human life and we don't have all the answers. We don't even know all the questions. All we know, and we kind of tuck it away to be dealt with later on, is that 
we're going, we have a shelf life. We're going to expire. And we really don't know uh, what happens after that moment. You see? Now, with that thought, I can manipulate you, can't I? You better do what I say or it's going to be bad for you. <sighs> Tell me what to do to escape the bad. Or if you do what I say, it'll be great for you. Well, you'll have palatial digs and great weather. <laughs> <laughs> Unlimited cable channels. <laughs> you see? Tremendous sex life. I can go. You see what I mean? So material consciousness can be manipulated by material rewards or threats of withholding material rewards. So, but you already have it. You already have the rewards and nobody or nothing can take it away from you except your consciousness. You have the consciousness and your, your faith is wrapped up in believing that you are a human being. And maybe last lifetime you thought you were a squirrel or a dog or whatever. You see what I mean? When you get these bodies based on your desires, which lead you to do certain activities, we, with activities there are reactions called karma, you get a body, birth after birth, depending on what it is you want at the time of death. And that brings you here. Somehow or other you lucked out and you have a human body. Now that's a heck of an advantage because in the body of a dog, you're not thinking of, do you think I'm eternal? Have you ever heard one dog ask the other dog anything like that? He's barking up the wrong tree. Yeah. <laughs> Dogs don't wonder is there life after death. They're wondering, is there dinner after lunch? <laughs> you know? What are the four activities of all living entities in the material world? Everything has to eat. Everything has to sleep. Everything is driven to mate. And everything feels the need to defend what I have to eat, where I have to sleep, and what, who I have to mate with. So eating, sleeping, mating, and defending are the activities of the materially conditioned soul. But if you're eternal, <laughs> then things are different, you see. But therein is the difficulty in spiritual life to convince you that you are not this body and that you are eternal. And I can't promise you some great thing. No, you, I, can, I can promise you that if you come to that realization, that you will escape the cycle of birth, death, disease, and old age. You won't have to take another birth. You'll return to the position that you were at before you came here to this material world. Does that make any sense? So... Um, I'll keep looking for the clock. Mm -hmm. Got about 20 minutes, huh? So I want to read a quick verse 
And then I'm going to get into your concepts of yourself. Does anybody not have a Bhagavad Gita? You don't? <gasps> no, you do now. We'll, we'll see that you get one for free. Okay? So anybody else? Bhagavad Gita going once. <laughs> Bhagavad Gita going twice. Do you have one? Okay. So, all right. Important book. Big minds for many thousands of years. Actually, the biggest minds have studied this book. You know, Einstein, Emerson, Thoreau, Oppenheimer, Gandhi. We can go on and on and on and on. Uh, big names, big minds. So, why? Because it has answers. Um, really intelligent people learn the answers or the questions that they should be getting answers for. You know? Uh, which kind of flies in the face of the thoughts of uh, trivia. What's the definition of trivia? Something that's not important. So why do I want to memorize something that's not important? It's fun. You know? So uh, as I progress, I may, want, I may start asking bigger questions. Typically, we don't ask the big, big questions because we don't believe anybody has any answers. So we kind of dumb ourselves down a little bit. What's the purpose of life? Well, I don't know. All right, who, lead, who led the league in strikeouts in 1957? <laughs> oh, that was Dizzy Dean. <laughs> wow, <laughs> he didn't know the meaning of life, but he knew that. <laughs> he multiply this times day in and day out. <laughs> Nobody seems to know the answers to this, no? Fat old guy at Krishna Cole thinks he knows the answer because his guru gave it to himself. All right, Krishna says. One who knows the transcendental nature of my appearance and activities does not, upon leaving this body, take his birth again in this material world, but attains my eternal abode, O Arjuna. If you know the transcendental nature of my appearance and activities, if you learn the transcendental nature, not just well, he came and he did this and he went, no, the transcendental reason. Why did he come? You see? Why did he come here 5,000 years ago? What was his purpose? You see? What did he do when he was here? Heck, I didn't even know he was here. I didn't get an invitation. But we see, no, it was, he did. He came and he had a purpose. One who knows the transcendental nature of my appearance. I come in my original form and I take and I take what appears to be a material body, but it's not material. I come in my original form. Well, that's kind of cool. So in other words, you didn't have to take a birth that was predicated on the nationality of the people of the place where you born were born. You didn't, uh, you weren't subject to a uh, culture. Actually, what happened is when Krishna came, 
His culture came with him. And we see remnants of his culture in India now. I say remnants because it's a little, a little perverted. You know, it's not quite the same. Everyone in India knows who Krishna is. You know, you see in the, in the taxi cabs. <laughs> There's probably, what, 100 million taxi cabs in India? Probably 500 million taxi cabs. They're everywhere. And they all have a little picture of Krishna, some flowers, you know. Now, they don't all worship Krishna because uh, they know Krishna is God, but they don't want to worship him. They would rather worship Shiva or Ganesh because they want money. They want some uh, material. And they don't worship Krishna per se. They offer all respects to Krishna. But if I get close to Krishna, they'll tell you, if I get close to Krishna, he'll steal my heart. I'll fall in love with him. And I'll forget my material desires, and I don't want to forget my material desires. Right now, I have a, I have a lust for money, a beautiful mate, big house. Yeah, I know Krishna will give me that. I know he's the source of everything. But he'll, I'll forget my material desires as soon as I see that beautiful face. If I get close to him, I'm going to be like, oh, I want you, you know. So I'll go to Shiva. Shiva's very easily pleased. And so I'll offer some puja of Ganesh or whomever, and I'll get my reward. And I can keep my material desires, you see. So um, Krishna has a way of depleting your material desire. Because you just want him, you know. It's like um, people falling in love and getting married. And they go on their honeymoon. And they feel like, I don't want this to ever end. I don't want to go back to Tucson and be an engineer. or a, I, want, I just want this moment, this love to continue forever, <clears throat> you see. So that's the feeling you get when you're with Krishna. I don't want this to ever go away. And Krishna says, it doesn't have to. It only goes away in your consciousness anyway. It never really stops. You just cover it over. You see? So um, let's... Oh, what a... All right. What was the question again, Radha What's the meaning of your life? What's the meaning? What's the value of your life? All right. The value of your life depends on how or how far your search for meaning goes. That's good. That's a good statement. The value of your life depends on how far your search for meaning goes. I can stop at any point. You know? Um, well, I wanted to be um, wealthy. Bill Gates could say, I wanted to be wealthy. I got it. So that's the value that he, he achieved that. That's what he, how far he wanted to go. He wanted to be rich. Oh, and I wanted to be well-known too because I got a lot of money. People should know me. As a matter of what good is it having money if nobody can say, hey, that guy's got a lot of money. Hey, isn't that the guy over there that has so much money? Yeah, yeah. I want to get his autograph. No, no, he's got guards. You can't get near him. 
I was having lunch in Dallas a few years ago uh, after the election where Bill Clinton was elected. And in into this place, it was a, a it was a, a place called Super Salad all over Dallas. And they're kind of nice because they have a salad bar with like several, seems like several hundred ingredients. It's just huge. They're all over Dallas. And you can get baked potatoes and all kinds of nice stuff. It's a nice place to dash in, grab a lunch. And so I'm sitting in there and in walks Ross Perot. Does anybody know who Ross Perot is? He sat down a few tables away and sat and and I'm looking at him, that's Ross Perot. And uh, you know, I looked around, I, there was this lady in there, I said, excuse me, isn't that Ross Perot? She said, well, it is, isn't it? I just didn't have any bodyguards. This guy's a billionaire. I was amazed, you know? He had an office, uh, not too awfully far from there, but he didn't have any bodyguards. Drove an Oldsmobile. I watched him leave. But I had to. I didn't ask him for an autograph. He didn't have guards and he didn't have said, <clears throat> Oh, excuse me, sir. Are you Ross Perot? <laughs> well, howdy. Yes, I am. <laughs> well, glad to meet you, sir. <laughs> well, you know, so. <laughs> I don't know what got me off on that, but anyway. <laughs> but in truth, your life has value because it is an opportunity to rediscover your lost, loving connection with Krishna. Bingo. If you don't drill down far enough into what is the meaning of my life, you'll only discover the depth of what you uh, are looking for. It's like if you buy a piece of land and you dig a hole to throw your garbage in. You know, out in the country, people do things like that. They throw their garbage in a hole or something. Uh, if you dug a little bit further, there may be gold or diamonds or something, you see. So your human life is like that. If you dig far enough, you drill far enough down into who you are or what your purpose is, you, you will discover it. All you have to do is really want to know. And Krishna will make that arrangement for you to know. As long as you don't care, then he will give you ample things to do and desire and experience for as long as you want. Because that's what you want. So that was a very good. Very good. If anybody has another question, you can stop me at any time. Uh, to learn and teach unlimited lessons. Yeah. Yeah. To learn unlimited lessons and teach them. If you learn uh, higher knowledge and you keep it to yourself, what kind of person are you? Miser. What is that Sanskrit word? Creeping? Creepina. Creepina. You are miser, stingy, and I want to share. If you really understand, if you really learn something of absolute truth, absolute value, trust me, there's no way you're going to be able to keep it within you. You're going to have to share it. You have to. It's 
so enlivening. It's just like, it becomes this knowledge of God and your relationship with him becomes or restores you to who and what you are, you see. And the old life that you had, it's like I look back and um, back before 1973 when I met my guru, um, I can't believe that that life even existed. It's like another life. You know? It seemed like there was a lot of good times and a lot of fun, a lot of suffering, a lot of being afraid and insecure. And, but it seems like another lifetime. Really, it's like looking, what do they call that? Past life regression? regression. Yeah, like looking into a previous life. I don't believe it was me. I think it's just like a movie that I witnessed or something. Because what's happened in the last 46 years is things have changed, you see. And uh, I can't, anyway, can't identify with that person that, uh, that I thought I was in those days. I just can't. Another purpose for our life is always evolving, unconditioned love, breath, pain, and suffering. Yeah, yeah. This, this material uh, body is a place of suffering and ignorance. Savira, Vidyajal, this stuff. This material body is a place of suffering and ignorance, not knowing, you see. Oh, I know this and that, and I know what I learned in college, but I didn't know the meaning of life. I had the speculating. And then you speculated it. I couldn't let you outdo me. So I had to argue with you and outdo you. I want my speculation to be better than yours so that they'll listen to me instead of you. So this is material life rather than uh, someone giving you the absolute truth. And then you share it with whoever, whoever will take it. Not everybody will. But that's okay. Someday they will. Some lifetime. They will see a value in this life. I can do better than cure a disease. What if the person, think about this. What if the person who cured polio had spread God consciousness all over the world instead? And now here all of us have polio, but we fully understand God. <laughs> and we're totally in love with Krishna. And death is coming, but we don't care. <laughs> I know I'm not taking another birth. But it's all okay. I can't walk. <laughs> you know, nobody can walk now. <laughs> See? Think about that. So I'm glad that whatever his name was, I don't remember his name, but he, I'm glad he discovered the cure for polio and then that I didn't get it. And I'm glad you didn't get it, you see. But uh, yeah, unconditional love, always evolving. Even when you get to the point of full realization of who you are, you still can't, can't latch on to it because you 
are ever-evolving and ever-increasing. Krishna is ever-increasing. He's not stagnant. Neither are the living entities. If that was true, he would keep evolving and you would stay the same and there would be some big difference, growing difference. No, you're right there. You're part and parcel of the Supreme Godhead, the Supreme Personality. Your personality and his personality interface eternally. So, helping other people, exactly. Exactly. Helping them what? Become self-realized. Become self-realized. That's the biggest help. If you're hungry and I feed you, that's, that's good. That's kind of me. Not that we shouldn't feed people, but if that's all I do is feed you, what does it say in the Bible? If you teach a man, if you give a man a fish, you know, you know you're the Bible expert. Come on. Um, if you give a man a fish and you know, he eats for a day, if you teach him how to fish, he has food forever. Right. So, yeah. So, um, giving knowledge, uh, helping other, helping other people. I fed you, or I teach you how to how to feed yourself. Above that, I teach you who you are, and I teach you who you're not, and I give you more than hope. Beyond faith and beyond hope. Faith and hope, if you keep it for a long, long, long time, that seems kind of sad. Well, you know, I've been chanting Hare Krishna for 46 years now, and I, 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 I still have faith that I'll get something out of it. That's sad. You, you get it, you get it right away, and it keeps growing. Am I wrong? You don't have to wait until you die to see if you're right. You can taste it now, because you want it now. You see, chanting Hare Krishna, learning to love God and all other living entities. I want that now. I don't want to have faith that I'm going to get it. It takes faith for me to start the practice. Yeah. Would you say that's where yoga is much different from what people would define as religion? It's more of a knowing than a relying on faith. Yeah. Yeah. Krishna says uh, in the 18th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, give up all forms of religion. Surrender to me, become my loving devotee, and I will personally deliver you. Krishna says, you can perform religion if you want. And that's pious. But religion should take you somewhere. Like faith should take you to knowing. I have faith that you're going to be a, a good friend after I know you for a while. I know. Wow, I was right. My faith in Sean's was well placed. He's a good friend. You see? Or you know someone was not worthy of your faith. But just eternal faith, faith and hope, that sounds sad. Maybe not to other people with a different level of consciousness, but for one uh, 
who's experiencing bhakti yoga, well, that's, that, that has a sad undertone. I have faith and I have hope. So you, don't, you didn't catch the prize yet. You didn't get the reward yet. Either you're not doing it right, or you've cast your faith and your hope in the wrong direction. God doesn't want to hide from you. <laughs> Why would he want to hide from you? You know? It's this disturbance between in our consciousness, between our identity and the identity of the Supreme that causes us all of these personal mal, uh, personality malfunctions. Because I think, look what it can do to my self-image. It's not that I'm rejected by all, well, I don't know what God wants. I don't know if God wants me to find him. I don't know how much he loves me. I don't know if, if he loves me. I don't know what our relationship is. I don't know where he is. I don't know if he is. I don't know, I don't know, and he won't show himself to me. And yet I believe, because I think I really should. You see what I mean? Can you see? This is the basis of uh, personality, personal disturbance, mental disturbance. And having this understanding is the basis for mental performance. It's the basis for good mental health. I know who God is. I know what our relationship is. I'm absolutely confident. You see what I mean? Which changes everything. It changes the way you move about in the world. Confidence. Knowing rather than faith. Faith is good. Faith, faith is pious. But when you get to where you know, it gives you uh, a greater potency. See? A greater understanding of yourself, your true identity. I've got to move along. A lot of somebody's going to throw me out in a minute. Uh, okay, the value of my life. One, to learn the eternal knowledge of the self. Yes, you need to know that. Otherwise, we keep repeating birth after birth after birth until we do. You see? You need to know this. The only, as I said before, the only reason that we don't spend most of our waking hours trying to find out the true nature of ourself is we're not convinced that anybody knows. I'm so sick and tired of asking people what is the meaning of life because I get all these, well, I don't know. Oh, it's this or it's that, you see. So then let me get into something more mundane. You know, like, all right, you don't know the meaning of life. You think Dallas is going to pick up the Super Bowl this year? <laughs> you know, you think Trump's going to do two terms? Is Hillary going to run again? You see what I mean? You get mundane. In other words, I can't go higher in consciousness, so let me dumb myself down. You know, what stocks do you recommend I buy? Well, see what I mean? 
until you find someone that says, hey, I can answer that question for you. Okay, now you climb up. Well, now you're above the mundane. Trump does two terms, so what? Trump doesn't do ter two terms, so what? The economy crashes. I've seen it crash before. I'm still here. You know, after 70 years, can you imagine what I've seen the economy do? Can you imagine the promises that I've heard from presidential candidates that won? <laughs> you know, well, do we care what these guys say? No, I don't care. No. What I care about is you. I want you to realize who you are. I want you to get off this merry-go-round. Come on, let's go. Let's get out of here. It's like we're in prison. I found a way out. Come on, let's go. Let's get out of here. We're checking out. Nothing can stop us. I got myself here. Let's go. Let's get out of here. We don't have to do this. Number two, the option of becoming a servitor of the Supreme and thus serving all life forms equally. That is so, who, I wonder who that is. This is supposed to be anonymous, so I won't ask. But somebody, this is really sweet. Yeah, serving all life forms equally, not just the human beings. The animals too, not just the ones that are warm and fuzzy and seem to like it when we scratch them. No, all living entities. You know, people, everybody likes cats and dogs. It's easy to love a dog, isn't it? Maybe you'd love a cow if you saw and had some experience. Can you love a rattlesnake? Well, sure, you just keep your distance. It's a fact. How many here have come across them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You see them and you think, wow, you are gorgeous. You know? But you stay there, I stay here. But I can see, wow, this is cool. You know? Very interesting to observe at a distance, you know? Daddy's <laughs> coming this way. No, no. You know, one thing about rattlesnakes, they don't really come at you real quick, you know. Some snakes will. I found sna some snakes in other parts of the world are, they'll, you know, but uh, rattlesnakes won't. They'll, if the rattlesnake is straight, like a stick, then he's ignoring you. He's just cruising along. I know I've, I've found a few. Uh, my son goes out in the desert a lot. He sees them all the time. Uh, but if they S up, then they're ready for action. If he's straight, then he's just like, okay, you're there, and I don't care. Wow. But you get to a certain point, he'll turn into an S. That means he's ready to fight. I don't know what that has to do with self-realization. <laughs> <laughs> but having an appreciation for other life forms. Appreciation. You know? Yeah. And we can have some love for them. Yeah. It's unfortunate, my dear rattlesnake, that you are so convinced that you are a snake. I'm convinced that you are part and parcel of my beloved Krishna. And I wish you could go back to Godhead with me. And I don't know how. 
I don't know how to impart that. I've had, uh, I've had dogs that seem like they understood what I say. You ever had a dog that seems like that? You're talking to them and they're like, I, you know, every dog I've ever had uh, in my household days, I never talked to them like, I just talked to them like people. And they seem like they, some of them really don't understand, you know, for the most part. Uh, my kids were always into, would bring a dog home, you know. So anyway, uh, but I couldn't tell them you're not that body. You know, they could understand so much. But I get to the point where I would exhaust their ability to understand. You know, you're not that body. You don't, you don't have to take another birth. <laughs> There's only some way, you know, you get an anxiety. All right, the only thing I can do is I chant and you can hear it, you know. And I tend to do that around rattlesnakes or whatever I find, ants, I see, you know. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Rama. I gave you the gift. Do with it as you will. But I gave it to you. I gave you everything I can give you so you can hear. And so I gave you that transcendental sound vibration. And that's everything. So you can't understand what to do with it. But still, you got it. It was delivered. You see? So that's what we can do. We can have appreciation for other living entities. Yeah. If you give them prasadam, what happens? Oh, good. If you give them prasadam, they'll take birth as a devotee. They're, they'll get a human birth. That's why we don't throw remnants of prasadam away. Throw it out and let the living entities have it. The ants and put it out. In our modern society, we throw everything away anyway. You know, we throw so much away or it goes down the garbage disposal or what, you know. It's much better if we can let things go back. Oh, what do we recycle? Part of recycling is, you know, you peel a potato. That's not garbage. That stuff is valuable. You know, get it out there somewhere. Let something uh, benefit from it, you know. So if you can think like that, let everything you do, everything you say, every thought you have be geared towards helping everything around you. The whole balance of this planet would change if people thought like that. Understanding that when you say, I die, uh, my physical self dies, but not my soul. My soul lives on. You see? What happens, the destination of your soul after you've worn out this body is entirely up to you. Listen, you, you are now, you always have been writing this story. This is Krishna's kindness. You are the author. You're like a spoiled child. Whatever it is you want to be, 
Oh, Krishna says, I can accommodate that. Oh, I'd like to be a soldier. All right, I can, I'll, I'll accommodate that. I want to be a cowboy. Yep, you got it. I want to be your devotee. Bingo, you got it. Whatever it is uh, that you desire, you will get, especially the sum total of all your desires that you've had come to light at the time of death. And that determines when, where, how, and what your next birth is. It controls, uh, Krishna says, but depending on your desires at the time of death, I will give you a body with a particular type of eye, a particular type of nose, particular type of ear, a particular set of senses for you to enjoy in the way that you are desiring at this moment, the time of death. I'm giving you what you want, knowing that someday, after enough of this, you will exhaust your material desires and start to inquire, is there life after death? And what is it? Is there a God? And what do I have to do to get him? Until then, you continue to desire and receive. And that's not a punishment. Karma is a victimless, uh, victim, victimless experience. You can't get it unless you do it. Right? You do good and you get good. You do bad and you get bad. As you sow, so shall you reap, says in the Bible. That's karma. Sir Isaac Newton says, for every action, there's an equivalent and opposite reaction. That's science. You know, and on the street, they say what goes around comes around. So everybody knows this. So then, as you are receiving, you send it around. You're not a victim. You're a victim of your past decisions, which were based on your past desires. See? So, value uh, of my life, wisdom, love, joy, experience, and skills. Brilliant. Yeah, wisdom. The only real wisdom that's worth having is who are you? Who are you really? Who is God, really? What is your relationship with him, really? Really? I mean, eternally. Not just you got it today and you give it up tomorrow. Having a material body, you get all this stuff. You may be born attractive, famous, wealthy, but then and if you stay that way all your life, you got to give it up at death. It's like winning the lottery. And then a week later, they come and they take it back. It's not a good deal. You see, that's why people in the material world are so frustrated. It's not a good deal. Uh, don't give me very much, okay? Just okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll make, I'll make give it to somebody else. No, oh, this is fun. I can go on doing this while you eat, so go ahead and serve them out.
Brother Alexander, go ahead and serve them out because I'll, I'll do this while everybody chows down. Okay. Nobody cares if I eat it. <laughs> Victim. It's easy to play the victim card because it sure seems like I was a victim. Guy broke into my uh, uh, apartment and stole my stereo. I was a victim. What I'm omitting from the story, maybe I forgot or I don't know, is that at some point I broke in and stole somebody's stereo. Someone steals from you, you stole from someone. Someone lies to you. You lied to someone. You see? Karma yoga means that I, I try to do only pious things. You see? I can take that a step further and to do things only as an offering of love to God. You see? Well, that doesn't sound like much fun. Because I gotta stop lying, I gotta stop cheating. Who can have any fun if I do that? But if I actually live my life as a loving offering to God, an offering of love to God, not only is He pleased, but I end up living a really sweet life, don't I? Because I'm not getting any um, ill reactions. So, oh, thank you. Whoa, what is that? Fantastic. So the key is really cooperation with every living thing. That, that's an important point. Cooperation. If I can learn to cooperate and harmonize with the Supreme, what does that do with my ability to harmonize and cooperate with all the other living entities? And if we can get a critical mass of those who are in harmony with the Supreme, what impact does that have on the world? It doesn't matter who you vote for or who runs for office or who makes promises. What matters is if you fall in harmony with the supreme source of love. Then you will change yourself. And I guarantee you that you will change those that you touch. That's I guarantee you. Try it and see. There's people in this room that tried this. And it worked, didn't it? Govinda Madhav, do you think you've changed anybody's life? I don't think you can count them, can you? Like when you were oh, over the holidays visiting. Their lives are different, aren't they? You don't notice it because you're not around them every day. They're far, you see them like right maybe around Christmas. You see flashes of their stuff? Yeah. It's quite interesting. Yeah. No, no. Gandhi says, be the change that you want to see in the world. You do it. Don't complain about what everybody else does. That's their nonsense. Do it. Show it. It's, it's hard. It's hard to not feel like um, 
I'm being cheated. I'm not getting a, uh, a good deal here. What the world is treating me badly. Either it's those guys over there or it's those guys over there. Some of these guys, one of them is treating me badly and causing me suffering. You see what I mean? No, it's because I'm not in harmony with the absolute truth. If I become in harmony with the Supreme, it doesn't matter what anybody else does. It doesn't affect me. As a matter of fact, if they can get around you, you will affect them. You will change them. But they can't change unless they know, what should I change to? I think the world's all goofed up. Okay, then how should it be? They should be able to look at you and say, you know what? I think you're on to something. I don't know what you're all about, but I think you're on to something. And maybe people would start thinking, I'd kind of like to start being more like you. You're still your personality, but you've picked up uh, good philosophy. You're in harmony, you see. If there's enough harmonic, uh, you're a musician. This is physics, but you'll probably, if there's enough harmonic sound, then if there is a still guitar, those strings will start to vibrate in harmony with that harmonic sound. It, it, that's physics. That's true in music, isn't it? The louder that harmonic sound gets, the more it affects the other uh, entities nearby. What we need is critical mass, a critical mass of people who understand the absolute truth and who are in harmony with it. And that changes the world. It'll take time. That's okay. I'm eternal. I've got more than all the time in the world. <laughs> all the time in the world, I'm not, I don't live in this world. I'm just visiting in this consciousness. I've got, I've got eternal time. How much time does it take to change the world? I've got it. I ain't going anywhere. This body may disappear, but I'm going to continue. Value of my life, the supreme lover, is my eternal master, well-wisher, and I have the potency to please him. I am eternal, part and parcel of the supreme Lord, and eternally exist to serve his servants for, uh, in, in relation to him. Yet we not only serve God, we serve the servants of God. You see? Which changes that takes away uh, one of the things that, that, that causes corruption and disturbance in the material world is this constant um, competition. You tell me something, I've got to do one upsmith. Well, little Johnny was admitted into Harvard. Well, yeah, well, little Mary's going to mm, uh, Oxford. Oh, yeah. You see what I mean? You hear this all the time. Well, we went to Miami for a vac for our vacation. Oh yeah, well, we we're going to Hawaii. 
see that this competition, even it's very subtle, but it's there. Uh, harmony means there's no competition. The only competition is I'm trying to exalt you. I see that you're a loving uh, servant of my beloved Krishna. I want you to be exalted. You see? Am I worried about myself? No. I'm a part and parcel, a loving associate of the supreme source of love. What have I got to worry about? You see? The devotee of Krishna starts to feel like uh, I've got it all. I have more than I even knew could be had. You see? So I'm okay. Now, who can I help? The devotee always feels, I'm okay. I'm better than okay. You know, the devotee never feels mistreated. I feel overtreated. You see? This is uh, the reaction from the supreme love from the supreme lover. When you taste it, you wonder, Krishna, why do you love me so much? Instead of wondering why people don't love me, I'm wondering why so much. You're, you're drowning me. I don't deserve it. It's wonderful. You see? And it's it, the reason why you feel that way is because love should be causeless. It's not something you did to cause it. It's causeless love. Why are you getting my love? Because I want to give it to you. Did you score anything to get it? No. Because I'm a lover and that's what I do. You see what I mean? Rather than, well, I don't think you're loving me enough. I try real hard, didn't you? That's not your relationship with God. He already loves you far more than you can imagine. That is your eternal relationship with him. You can't take that away. No one can take it away from you. Once you get your consciousness back, it's like the verse said, you, you don't lose it. Yeah. Does it make sense to say that as living entities or souls, that once we get over our material consciousness or bodily consciousness and raise our consciousness to the transcendental platform that we similar to Krishna as far as qualitatively, we have an unlimited reservoir of love within us. So when we're thinking that I'm all out of love, or I just can't do anything about it. Is it really? <laughs> yeah, I've heard it. Yeah. I'm all out of love. <laughs> Enough with the love already. Oi. <laughs> <laughs> but so that's not true. So then, if we're engaging soul to soul, then it's just it's unlimited. It's always <clears throat> material love. Seems like it. You can run out of it. You see, because in the material world, there's limitations on everything. That's the law. The laws, because we identify with this material world. We identify with the laws that apply to this world. When you start realizing who and what you are. You identify with spiritual laws. There's no cessation. 
You cannot exhaust love, nor does it ever become boring. In the material world, some people will tell you enough is enough of the love, okay? You know, some people base it on sex life. After some point, that's enough. You know? So, that's a, a sad... Uh, sex life is a sad representation of love. Sad. Because people think that's it. No. There, it's, there are... Love goes to the depths, such depths, that... Sex life doesn't even matter. You see, soul, soul. If you transcend the body, you transcend the bodily senses and the bodily uh, exchange of gratification. As long as you're convinced that you're a body, you need it because you're going to be lost without it. When you can cross over into the eternal, I'm an eternal soul consciousness, you're freed. You're freed from, I need this or I need that, or, you see? Because you get to taste eternal gratification, higher. You get to taste a higher taste. Therein, you know, we're, here we are skating on the razor's edge of um, spiritual life and material life. At some point, I've got to have faith that what was being said here is true. Maybe there are, maybe I'm not this body. Maybe I am an eternal soul. Maybe there is an eternal Godhead. And maybe we do have an eternal relationship. And maybe I can tap into that eternal source of love. It's like that razor's edge. But I, that's kind of hard to make that little, you know, it's easier to just fall back on what I think I know. I know that if I get money, I can increase my enjoyment. And we know that, don't we? I know that if I can find a beautiful mate, I know that my enjoyment will increase, right? If I get some really, enough money, I can get some really great drugs. Fine wine, the best brandy. I can get a, a huge spread. I can buy an island if I have enough money. See what I, I can enjoy. If I have faith in the material energy, that faith can be as deep as the ocean. You see? It's a good karma can, in a way, um, be a curse. Yeah, it can be. The illusions get deeper. Yeah. Isn't that kind of funny how like the Buddha is the same the exact same thing? He's giving you the effulgence of Krishna, whereas Krishna is giving himself beyond the effulgence. Krishna appeared as Buddha for a certain purpose. He gave you the, the truth, but for a different reason and for a different for people who wanted, really wanted to hear certain things. Those people that uh, Lord Buddha spoke to were looking for Shanti. They're looking for uh, peace from oppression, uh, from the inflammation of being in this material world. 
So then why not nirvana? That'll give you shakti. That'll give you peace. If you're familiar with Lord Buddha's teachings and the writings, and, uh, does he ever say, I, I can show you how to get pure love of Godhead? No. That doesn't mean he was a cheater. It's like Lord Jesus Christ said, there's more that I can tell you. How does that go? But yet you can't hear it yet. Yeah. Huh? But the time hasn't come. Yeah, the time hasn't come yet. There's more I can tell There's a lot. One of the disciples ask him, is there something more that you can tell? Oh, there's much more. But not for now. For this particular time, place, and circumstance. This isn't for this arena. And this science of true, pure love of Godhead is something that has not been distributed on this planet ever. It's so, it's so rare for a living entity to want to have a, a, a full embrace of Godhead. This is the first time ever in our planet? That it's been widely distributed. Wow. In, in the first yugas, people <coughs> had this understanding. As time went by, age after age, the science was lost. So there's been people who've distributed it. But as far as a worldwide, when has this ever happened before? Well, that's just the great king. But... Yeah, previous yugas. Previous yugas. But in this age, in the last... Uh, 5,000 years and hasn't been distributed wi widely. Basically, it was you be a good boy, you'll get good reaction. If you do this, then you can have heaven. And, I don't, and I'm not even going to define what that heaven is. But it's going to be really good. And you also won't get really bad if you do this. So it's like, um, and I'm trying. I'm not trying to be critical towards anybody's religious beliefs or whatever, but it's kind of like training a dog. You know? If you do this, then you get a reward. But if you poop on the rug, I'll hit you with a, you know, with a newspaper. So it's the carrot or the stick. If you're good, you get a carrot. Where they, where they train a donkey like that. You're good, you get a carrot. If you're not, you get the stick. So, but as far as uh, talking, when did Lord Jesus Christ promise you pure love of Godhead? <coughs> Bible scholar? <clears throat> he promised salvation. But how was that to manifest? How was it to manifest? Yeah. What did he say? Um, well, yeah, heaven, but do you believe in him? Essentially. But it'd be, you know, in what we understand to be just another material situation. Yeah. Nice dwellings. Right. Streets it's of like gold. God's stuff. You'll get, you'll get my stuff. Yeah. You you'll, get, you'll... And that's pious. <coughs> But as far as love of Godhead, 
I feel like Jesus had it when he wanted to give well, it. Of course he had it. They weren't ready for it. Well, he couldn't have given it to them. Of course he had it. You know that he was set percent pure. He saw nothing but the supreme Godhead and, and felt nothing but his uh, undeviated love for him. But could he give it to those people that were there at that particular no. time? He can only take them so far in the right. next step. Just like Muhammad. Analyze the Ten Commandments. Right. You know? Uh, analyze the people that had to receive the Ten Commandments. I have to tell you not to kill each other. Right. Don't co covet each other's wives. Why am I telling you not to do that? Because I know you're doing it. I want you to stop it. It's not like, hey, if you ever want to have sex with your neighbor's wife, don't do it. No, it's, I know you guys are doing this. Stop it. Try to get them up. Baby steps. You know, little baby steps. These are good. Yes, follow these. Don't lie to each other. Don't kill each other. Don't steal each other. This is good. This is basic. You keep it up, and, and you'll advance. But it's not going to give you pure love of Godhead. Sean's about to explode. Okay. Did, <laughs> was, uh, was Lord Shani instructing when he said, they shall not kill, did he mean just humans or like, don't kill anything in life? Well, kill means, kill means kill. If it was just humans, he would have said murder. He would have said what? Murder. Don't murder. Yeah, right. That makes it's sense. A, actually, it's a different word. <clears throat> I can't remember the exact Greek. Yeah, it's a different word. Yeah. But it is a different word. So, but yeah, I mean, that's... Now, certain levels of human life can't understand that. Well, what's wrong with killing animals? I've eaten animals all my life. What's wrong with it? Wait a minute. You are telling me that I shouldn't eat. You fill in your particular animal here. Are you saying that to me? Well, listen here, buddy. I've been around here for 70 years now. And you're going to tell me to give up my barbecue? Well, I just exceeded your level of consciousness. Doesn't, you know, you see what I mean? So then, no, I don't mean to disturb you, my dear sir. You know, in, in any way, shape, or form. Ultimately, you have free will, and you should do as you. You should do as you will. Not that I say, well, you dummy, you must be from Texas. <laughs> you know, no, you don't do it like that. But if you say that, some people will say, "Hey, wait a minute." Well, no, that makes a lot of sense. You know what? If I disturb the life cycle of another living entity, then it says in the Bible, as you sow, so shall you reap, then I'm going to be, that's going to come back on me in some, you see what I mean? Even if I'm just a little self-centered and a little greedy for myself, for my own benefit, that makes a lot of sense. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. No, what you said about Texans reminded me of this 
image I came across this last week called the Hillbilly Ten Commandments. <laughs> oh, you guys want to hear it? Yeah. You should you should have said y'all want to hear. Yeah, yeah, we're still we're still um, streaming. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Rule number one: Input one God. Honor your mom and pa. No telling tales or gossiping. Gig your hide to Sunday meeting. <laughs> Ain't nothing come before the Lord. No fooling with another fellow's gown. No killing, except for critters. Quit your foul mouthing. No swiping your kinfolk stuff. And don't be hankering for it either. Oh, that's great. Hey, put that on the Krishna Code thing, isn't it? That's great. This is, this is just basic, you know. But every everybody that wants to be pious should understand these basic commandments. You know, if you can come up to those, <coughs> then we can take you further. Nowhere in the Bhagavad Gita or Srimad Bhagavatam or Chaitanya Charitamrita does it tell anybody not to uh, lust for a neighbor's wife, nor not to kill. Or the, it's assumed that you're already there, right? right? It's like if you're taking advanced calculus, they won't teach you that two plus two equals four. We assume that when you walked in the door, you knew that. See? So there's different levels of knowledge. Problem is in the material world, because of the competitive nature, people, they get upset with you and say, oh, so you're saying that you're... Your philosophy is better than mine. I don't know how to answer that. I don't know. It's not better. Maybe it's a little higher. But if it disturbs you, let's not talk about it. You know, because people get disturbed very easily. Well, I believe that all my life. And now here you're poking holes in it. You see? So, but that's... It seems like we're poking holes when we give you, just try to get you a notch higher. Or you don't believe that what I believe in is true. No, I do believe. I believe in, in Lord Jesus Christ. I believe in his mission. I believe in Buddha. The Mayavad philosophers that say that you... Can, uh, through the performance of Ashtanga Yoga, you can merge into the dazzling effulgence? Yes, I believe that. But have you thought that there might be something above that? And if your answer is, no, I don't believe there's anything beyond that, then okay, stay with what you have. I'm, I'm agreeing that what you have is true. And you're saying that what I have to offer is not. I'm okay with that. I can live with that. Are you taking off? You going back to Bisbee? No, yeah. I gotta work in the morning. Where do you work? Um, at a psychiatric hospital. Yeah. 
Oh, you for homework. You know what? This, is, this explains a lot. <laughs> She's my handler. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Maybe when I come back from India, we'll we'll come down to Bisbee and visit with you. That'd be great. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah, awesome. I'll be back later part of uh, March. Okay. So sometime in April. Awesome. But I'll see you before I leave. I hope I'm not. I'm leaving on the seventh. I'll be here next week. All right. Can you come back too? Certainly. Go ahead down the street. Literally down the street. I'll bet. All right, guys. See you guys later. I got. I got work. All right. I'm going to go use the facilities. <laughs> and then I want to come back and eat. Maybe we can do some more. Yes. Hare Krishna. So good to see you. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Please excuse me. I'll be right back. Yeah. Do you want to go through some more questions when I come back? Or should I just eat and shut the heck up? What are the questions? I've got some more. I mean, were there questions? Oh, no, I mean, answers. Yeah, this week we're doing answers instead of questions. Yeah, I was thinking that maybe just grab a big bag. Is there like a big like white bag? That's too small. Is there like a big white bag? We put some of them away. We put ours away before. Okay. Uh.